on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Some genre-related news before the start of today's discussion. Director Josh Whedon was accused last week of gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable behavior on the set of the 2017 movie Justice League by actor Ray Fisher. Fisher also indicated in the tweet, which was made last Wednesday, that Whedon had been enabled by former Warner Brothers co-president of production John Berg and former DC Comics president and chief creative officer Jeff Johns. No comment from Whedon, but Berg categorically denied the allegations in a statement to entertainment industry publication Variety. Licenses for the Alien and Predator film series have been acquired by Marvel Comics. Fans may expect comics based on the series as soon as early next year. A trailer for the TV adaptation of Algis Huxley's classic science fiction novel Brave New World was released last week. The series, which debuts July 15th on streaming service Peacock, stars Aidan Ehrenrich, Jessica Brown Finlay, and Harry Lloyd. You can check out the trailer on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. The latest convention cancellation due to the coronavirus is DragonCon. Organizers released a statement earlier this week saying that after an exhaustive attempt to consider and uncover every possible option to hosting a safe and much-needed convention this year, it has become apparent that we cannot in good faith move forward with our 2020 event. There will be a virtual program. Visit dragoncon.org for the latest details. Javicia Leslie has been cast as the new lead in the CW Batwoman series. Leslie, who you may remember from the CBS TV series God Friended Me, will play Ryan Wilder, described as an out lesbian, athletic, raw, passionate, fallible, and very much not your typical all-American hero. And Stargirl has been renewed for a second season on the CW. The announcement included the news that the CW and its digital platforms will be the new home for the show, which will not stream on DC Universe for Season 2. Today we're talking about Stargirl and much more. And joining me today for this special coronavirus edition, you know, I'm so tired of saying special coronavirus edition. We've been doing special <laughs> coronavirus editions for months, but doggone it, we're sheltering in place, we're quarantining still, because some idiots in the South and in the West don't know how to stay in frickin' side or wear a mask. So we are continuing to do this. But joining me for this edition of Fantastic Forum, I have the uh, Chief Marketing Officer, Creative Director for the Adobe Network. She is also the producer and host of Geek Girl Riot. She is Shereen Nicole. 
welcome. I am, but well, I am I, a co-host yeah. of Geek Girl, right? It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Hi, I'm you're Shireen. So, yeah, you're also <laughs> co-host of Fantastic Forum, though, so I, I could have said that, but you know, and and uh, and I guess I just did. Hey, also, uh, we have uh, former Wildstorm and Chaos Comics editor, uh, writer, all-around nice guy, Drew Bittner. <laughs> and uh, joining us again today, uh, we haven't had him on as much as I would like, but hey, we're trying to correct that. Uh, Ripped Radio Network producer and host, also producer of a whole bunch of other fine television programming, and uh, also an all-around nice guy. He's Brian Lyles. Welcome, Brian. Hey, come Benoit, everyone. Hello. You know. So, uh, before we get into it, because uh, what I had wanted to talk about today as the primary topic for discussion is uh, Stargirl, uh, which now, as we've gotten through about half of the 13-episode run that is on the CW Network and DC Universe. But uh, before we get to that, there were some allegations uh, recently made by actor Ray Fisher about the behavior of Josh Whedon on the set of Justice League. And uh, Shireen, I know you have some thoughts about that. <laughs> yep, I have thoughts. My thoughts are these. Josh Whedon, being a terrible human being, has nothing to do with Zack Snyder being a mediocre filmmaker. They're unrelated. I wish people would stop comparing them. On top of that, Josh Whedon, let's be done with him. We've been talking about these abusive tactics that he has for a very, very long time. And no amount of fun movie is going to make up for that. Especially when you start to think that, hey, him creating these great women characters might have just been so he could get near great women. So let's be done with Josh Whedon. But let's not use Josh Whedon to somehow make it like Zack Snyder's films are not failures because they fail. All right. So my whole thing is this. Why don't we try getting good people who are also good filmmakers and then maybe D.C. could have great movies? And that's my thought. Mm. OK. Anybody else? <laughs> I, like, I, I admire Josh's work since Buffy. Um, I th- I felt like he did a great job with the Avengers. You know, he filled up a role in in the Justice League pretty much, and I think it's was more like, you know, you're cleaning up someone else's work, and re- re- I, I get the the impression that you really didn't want to be there. Um, but I mean, all these like I kind of agree with Shireen. It's, it's kind of like, look, he's abusive. I understand. I've worked with directors and other directors and other people in product video production that have some very nasty attitudes and you kind of don't want to work with them ever again but you know that's their personalities and and that's how they are you know you got to deal with it in a sense just to get a decent looking production out there if you get a good product out there even though the person you work with is an ass i mean it's it's tough to you know it's tough to try to balance that out And we have to make sure that we understand that being an asshole and being abusive are not the same thing. Yeah. You know, we get some people have asshole personalities. Oh, well. But being abusive is never acceptable. Yeah. And Ray Fisher was real serious about this, too. I mean, you know, he he apparently went so far as to retract uh, something that he had said 
like year before, actually a couple of years ago, because I guess all of them had shown up to Comic-Con that summer to promote Justice League. And, uh, and he said something nice about Josh Whedon, and he's like, yeah, I wish to formally retract this. I had no idea that Josh Whedon had a reputation like this. And I, I was uh, communicating with a friend of mine who's worked with him, and he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, said, he was cussing people out on set all the time. And, but, uh, yeah, it's like one of the worst-kept secrets in Hollywood that he's extremely abusive. Now, I, the, the one thing is, Shereen, I, I personally, I don't think this has anything to do with Zack Snyder? It doesn't. And... <laughs> Nothing. It has zero well, yeah. to do with Zack Snyder. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So why did you even bring Zack Snyder? Unless you've been in conversation. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't people understand. People are, like I said, stop trying to make Joss Whedon justify Zack Snyder's mediocre filmmaking. That's what people are doing, Ulysses. I'm not, I'm not. I wouldn't say it had nothing to do with Zack Snyder if nobody had said it. <laughs> Literally, people mm. are saying that's why that's why uh, leave Zack Snyder alone. That's why people should stop complaining about Zack Snyder. People have literally <laughs> said this. <laughs> so yes, it oh, literally no. has nothing to do with Zack Snyder. And somehow trying to justify that Zack Snyder should keep making failing films that don't resemble the Justice League un- unless the Justice League has suddenly become miserable bastards and I don't know about it. Stop mm. doing that. Hire good people, not Josh Sweden, who are good filmmakers, not Zack Snyder. Get what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Okay. So, moving, moving right along. <laughs> uh, Hi, everybody. Uh, My I name drew. is Shireen, and I'm mad as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to take My, this anymore. <laughs> I, I, drew, I, have, I haven't spoken up yet. Yeah, I haven't spoken up yet. So, um, first off, I I had never heard that Joss Whedon was abusive. I I didn't know that. I have some friends that have worked with him, and they love the guy. And frankly, Were I think it's well into the air. white girl, white, white guy. Um, but I I don't know that that makes a difference here. So. Yeah, everybody you know. has different experiences, and a person can be abusive to some people and not abusive to to everyone. Yeah, that's true. That's not necessarily the point I was making. Um, no, that was the, the point, point I, was... I was making. But yeah, you know, I know that's the point. I, I, know that's, that's, I know that's the point you've been making, Shreen. I get it. I get it. You know, um, but but my my point is, you know, there's this is an allegation, and it may be it may be local war in Hollywood, but you know, the thing is that he's a successful director. He came in to do reshoots on a project that was massively over budget, massively behind schedule, and needed a complete overhaul. And frankly, if you're not literally ripping your hair out at this point, there's probably something wrong with you. Because What does that have to do with being abusive? Like, that has nothing Uh, to do with being abusive. He's a good filmmaker. We all know that. Yeah, but I mean, we're we're also forgetting that this is an extremely stressful situation, and you're expecting people to act like saints or or what have you in in moments of extreme crisis, and that is basically what's going to happen. Drew, let me let me let me just interject something here because Shireen made a point of saying there's a difference between being an asshole and being abusive, and I think what you're saying is. You know, he could sort of justify being an asshole because of the stress he was under in this situation. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's not being abusive. You know, I mean, there's basically what Shireen is saying, and I agree wholeheartedly, there's no justification for being abusive regardless of what kind of stress you may be under. So um, I'm sorry, but if, if that's not what you were saying, then I apologize and please make whatever point you were going to make. No, that's fine. I think that I think that the um, it's, it's an allegation. And if it's backed up by anecdotal evidence from people that come forward and say that, yeah, that's true, he was, then I think it's kind of incumbent on Joss Whedon to, to talk about this and say, you know, yeah, tempers ran high, or yeah, I get real stressed out when things are, you know, going hot on set. But, um, you know, that's just kind of how I feel. So. Okay. All right. This, well, but this is why white men get to continue to do these kinds of things because we go, oh, well, he was stressed out, poor guy. And, and the fact of the matter is this is not an allegation that comes from one film or one working relationship. It is an allegation that goes back through decades from many people through several projects that he's worked on. And I am, Drew, I am with you. I know you are a kind-hearted person and that you want to always give people the benefit of the doubt. And we should always be very aware of allegations because we've seen them swing both ways, right? We hear stories like Brian Banks and we hear of all of all of the people who actually were abused, who weren't weren't helped and weren't given justice. But in this particular instance, these allegations and, and these reports go back for decades you know, and so we really have to look at that and make some decisions about what that means and why people don't want to continue working with Joss Whedon on a grand scale. And we have to stop making, ex we, we are always more ready to make excuses for white cis males because they're, we call them talented than we are for anyone else. And this is what allows them to continue their abusive behavior. This is what allowed Harvey Weinstein to continue for years, Kevin Spacey to continue for years. In my industry in pop punk, Austin Carlisle, up to 26 women that's what happens because we make excuses. And Drew, that's well, not I, you. I I'm not you saying that. that's I'm I'm not saying that's you. I'm saying that's us as a society. And mm. I agree with you. I think that mm. I think that, you know, we we don't need to tolerate the abusive behavior. So I agree with you. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA, ninety-six point seven FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, and Brian Lyles. We have been having an exceptionally spirited discussion about Ray Fisher's allegations of unprofessional abusive behavior from Josh Whedon on the set of Justice League several years ago. So um, uh, I'll move on to the next thing that I had wanted to mention before we get to the primary point of conversation for this episode, which uh, is Marvel's acquisition of the Alien and Predator franchises uh. from Dark Horse Comics, because, you know, these are a couple of Fox properties, mm -hmm. and so it stands to reason that Disney's comic book arm would be able to license these projects to do something else. I just, I just want to know if we're getting Predator versus Alien versus Deadpool. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've seen every possible permutation of the of Alien and Predator separately and together. We had Predator the love story, for Christ's sake, with <laughs> Sanaa Latham. We've had it all. I'm like, what are you going to do now? A cooking show? You know, they can get together, you know. May, That'd maybe, be one hell of a cooking show. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Drew or Brian said reality show, and I'm like, yeah, what, you know, the incredibly true story of Alien and Predator in a house and what happens when they <laughs> Start being nice and start getting real. <laughs> I'd watch that show at least a couple episodes. You know, are we? Are, you know, we're gonna send them. You would watch that, Drew. Yeah, like send them on the simple life, and they milk cows and learn crafts. I don't know. Like, what, what are you gonna do now? I, I'm sorry. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but hi, Shireen. Hi, I'm Shireen. I'm mad as hell. Uh, well, you know, the, the illustration that they had uh, that accompanied this announcement was of a predator uh, standing on the roof of Avengers Tower holding Iron Man's helmet in his hand. So I, I guess about all you've got left is to turn these things loose on the Marvel Universe and see how well they stack up. Let Drew write it. Drew will write it. There you go. But that's the problem I feel I feel like they're gonna do is it's like you're gonna implement them like like they did with the you know the zombie Marvel universe. When you're acquiring something something that's already been done, either try to give it new life or continue on and putting out the same stuff over and over again. Those are your two choices that you got left. If you implement them into something that's already been established, to me that's sort of like I didn't want this. I mean, I don't. I mean, mind you, everyone would love to see Deadpool try to survive all that mess. I that don't. Would be so funny, though, it would be. It, hilarious. It'll be funny. Yeah, <laughs> you can have them in in Deadpool three if, if possible. But for me, it's like, look, we need something new. So do some new, unique stories in written form and graphic form before putting them out there as a as a new picture. Give it some time. Really, give it some time for both of them. Yeah, I think I think aliens versus Avengers or Predators versus Avengers is silly. I mean, they're gonna be wiped out. I mean, just send Captain Marvel, you're done. Okay, that's the end. Is this supposed to be a a comic book adaptation of Alien Predator? I mean, are they getting brought into the comic book world, or are they being brought into the MCU? Because well, it sounded like um, she wanted to bring him into the MCU. Uh, based on some of the comments she made, my impression. Well, me? No, I don't want to do none of that. You, I was just talking about the illustration you were talking about. Yes. I, I have no desire for that. It was just a joke. Oh, okay. Well, there no, you, you mentioned bring it because Captain Marvel. I mean, the movie Captain Marvel. Yeah, she's gonna clean him up. The comic book Captain Marvel, eh, not so no, much. That's over. But you could just make it aliens versus scrolls, and then and then you know confuse the hell out of the aliens. <laughs> yeah. They'd be looking at themselves like, wait, what? You could do that. <laughs> could do that. Um, I think if you bring in, if you want to bring them into either the comic book or the movie world, it's it's kind of a mistake. It's you know, there it, it diminishes. Um, wait, it's a mistake. Predator. Comic book, or it's a mistake movie, or it's a mistake both. I think both. Um, I think because it it diminishes. Alien and Predators franchises. I mean, they, they need to be their own thing. Um, the only way I think it would work in a comic book, frankly, would be if you had like an army or a team of Predators going to take down one hero like Wolverine or the Hulk or somebody like that. Wasn't there like Batman versus Predator? 
Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. did that one. Time. That sounds familiar. I just want to reference back to something I said earlier when I said give it to Drew, he'll write the hell out of it. Ta da! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, always thinking. Uh, you know, and and we'll see what happens. It's like I'm hoping your phone rings tonight, <laughs> you, know, you know, or that this is a pitch. Hey, but uh, something else uh, coming up uh, actually tomorrow uh, evening on uh, TNT. Uh, it's the season finale of Snowpiercer. Of course, Snowpiercer uh, being the uh, based on the French. Uh, graphic novel. Now, apparently it is now available, and apparently has been available for some time in translated editions. It was not for a long time. And I, in fact, even I dare say when the movie with Chris Evans came out, which is now about 10 years ago, yeah. I, I want to say, you know, maybe even a little bit longer. And, and I haven't seen the movie, but I've been very entertained by this show. It is a, I mean, kind of simplistic thing allegory for class warfare and stuff but i've been very entertained i i, I thought it was kind of artfully put together and they have given me enough that when i've had a couple of beers on a sunday night and i'm watching <laughs> some tv it's like hey this is all right you know so i'm kind of looking forward to this uh, two-hour season finale mm-hmm. and it's been renewed for a second season i well this this is where i feel like again taking a a movie and then stretching it out longer is a bad idea. <laughs> well, but that's deeper. not really what this is, because it's not based on a movie. It's based True. on a... Because no, the, the, the TV but, show is actually based on the... It is based on the movie. It's not based on the graphic novel. Right. Because have, I... I have, have, wait, have you read the graphic novel? I have read um, the full synopses of all the graphic novels and have read, oh. uh, have read pieces on the fact that they are very different. If you go and well, read... The synopses of the graphic novels, you'll find out that they are very different. And so the show most closely re- resembles what um, Bong Joon-ho did with the movie. Mm. Okay. Well, I stand corrected in that case. As far as I know, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. That's why I was asking. Because <laughs> I haven't read the graphic novel, so I don't know. Uh, but it stands to reason. And now that I think about it, it stands to reason because... If you are introducing this thing to an American audience, it makes a little more sense, and particularly given the age of the thing, because the movie came out more recently than the graphic 2013. novel. 2013. Yeah. And so, all right, so less than 10 years ago. But uh, So it, it makes sense to base it on something that you expect the audience to have the greatest familiarity with. You know? so, uh, but it well, did make me curious about yeah. the graphic novel, and I'm thinking that, I probably want to at least pick it up because, you know, that inspired the movie, apparently. So Yeah, I would, too. I'd like to read it. Well, my, my, like I said, my, you know, for something to where you already seen something in like a good two and a half hour film of it, then in, you're trying to stretch out something in a longer medium like television. One, I feel like you're cheapening it. Because then you're going to be adding things you didn't really need, unless you're again using the graphic novel as its you know source material. Which again, we've seen of lately how the source material is barely used in a lot of things. Um, so I feel like you know when I saw the movie, I thought it was interesting. It it had this you know very to me more climactic uh, 
interesting focus on because he's like you had a beginning, you have to get to the you know you had to go to back of the back of the train to get to the top of the train, and I, I, and within two hours, two and a half hours, you got to see some intensity. You know, even though like you know each car had its own little moment. Unless, mind you, I haven't seen the shows. You know, unless each car is its own season, then I figured that would be interesting. But to me, it's like. I was cool with the pace of the movie. It felt like, oh, okay, each, every character had their moment within the car they were in and all that stuff until the very end. So I don't need to see this again. So it's like, I'm good. So well, that's you how know, I feel. The, the TV show actually doesn't deal with the same characters from the, from the movie. What the TV show does is it, in order to give it a, a better engine to make a TV show work, what they do is they add in the very beginning this kind of murder mystery noir detective vibe to the whole thing. So where you have with the movie, you have this absurdist allegory that very much resembles uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, which you have with the the show is something that more resembles a not as well done the expanse so you start with this this framework of the detective which gives you a story to push um to take you through this pov character played by davi diggs who then engages with kind of the train conductor who is not the engineer but the train conductor who is played by jennifer Connolly, um and so in that way, you lose because when you're looking at this show because it's so long, you realize how ridiculous this train is. In the movie, it's two hours. You kind of are dealing with the fantasy of it all. The The show strips back the fantasy and tries to deal more with it being a sci-fi. They go further back in time to when um, the kind of untouchables in the tail of the train uh you know, illegally board the train. They take the the rear cars, and then the train begins its passage around the earth. They have different problems from the ones that were in the movie. So they really are, although similar, two different beasts. So Brian, you could potentially watch the TV show and not be, um, and not have it kind of um, mixed too much in with the movie. They're just that different. Um, there are elements that, of course, resonate with each other. You do get to see a number of different trains, but the but the series is a lot more practical in my estimation, and they deal a lot more with how things would work, how they imprison people. You know, they deal with the pleasure cars and how that system works, and they deal a lot more with the class system. Like, you get a very basic understanding of the class system in the Snowpiercer film. Um, in the Snowpiercer television show, it very much deals with class structure and it has this French sense of revolution. I'm going to have to read your review because you have a real good handle on this freaking show. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. But yeah, so Snowpiercer, season finale, tomorrow night on TNT, two hours. Oh, and Sean Bean apparently is playing Wolford. So, I mean, yeah, but I'm excited. I'll watch it, <laughs> and I'll let everybody know. But, hey, that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM. We are community radio, which means that this is a place where you can get involved. Visit the website at WERA.FM to find out how. 
and uh, see what you maybe want to do. And in the meantime, uh, we're going to step aside uh, because we absolutely need to acknowledge our underwriters and sponsors and tell you a little bit more about some of the other fine WERA programming that's coming up later this evening. But stick around because Shireen, Drew, and Brian and I will be right back right after this. And welcome back to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined this afternoon by Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, and Brian Lyles. And uh, we have been talking about a number of different things in the first half of the show. But second half of the show, I would like to devote to the primary topic of discussion for this episode, which is the DC Universe and CW television show, Stargirl, starring Breck Bassinger. And uh, this show has actually just kind of started to hit its stride for me. <laughs> it's going to be a total of 13 episodes. It airs initially on DC Universe, and then the following day airs uh, in primetime on the CW Network. And uh, Drew, in particular, is somebody who has really been uh, talking about this show on social media. I've kind of come across a number of posts that uh, Drew has made. And uh, I'm just, uh, what, what is it you like about this show? Why do you like it? Uh, why are you watching it? Oh, gosh. Um, well, first of all, I think it's kind of a ray of light in otherwise gloomy, gloomy season for the Berlantiverse. Um, <laughs> really, it, it's remarkable that every single other show that they have on right now, and that includes Arrow, which is out, is out closed, now over with, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl, and Batwoman are all just gloomy as anything. They are depressing shows, and Stargirl is not. It is happy, it is, up, it is a tribute to the golden age of DC Comics. Um, now, granted, they're not including characters like Superman, Wonder Woman, or Batman in them, but you do see the classic JSA. You do see these classic characters. And you, sense, you get the legacy that Jeff Johns built into his run on Justice Society when he was doing that book years ago. So I like the, like the storyline. I like the actors. I like the nods to the deep cuts of the golden age that Jeff Johns was able to work in. Um, I just think it's a, a really good show. And frankly, it's a breath of fresh air because all those other shows are bumming me out. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know, uh, the only issues I've had, uh, and a couple of them are fairly big, but the way they treated the Justice Society, and you mentioned that, and, uh, you know, I mean, no surprise, because the way that they're moving on from this show, basically, they kill off the entire Justice Society in, like, the first five minutes of this show, you know, episode one, first five minutes. Here are Justice Society members being strewn all about in this titanic battle against their arch enemies, the Injustice Society of America. And uh, I, I took exception to that. I took great exception to it because it, you don't, a, absent some unspecified uh, I I event 
that was to give the Injustice Society some extra powers or abilities. I just didn't see how they wiped up the floor with their arch enemies, you know, whom they had been battling to a stalemate for all these previous years. And in the way that it was all treated, you know, it's uh, the guy who plays Pat Dugan, Stripesy, uh, who had been uh, the Star Spangled Kid's sidekick. Uh, you know, it's to give him a chance to blurt out names. You know, oh, here comes Ted Grant, Wildcat, getting knocked mm-hmm. through a wall. And he's like, Wildcat, you know. And gets, <laughs> it's like, damn. So, and then, you know, once uh, Courtney Whitmore got the uh, cosmic staff, and Brett Bassinger is great in, in the, lead, the, the, the lead character here. But uh, so she gets this cosmic staff and uh, puts herself in this costume as star girl and she goes out and she immediately starts kicking some injustice society buttocks and mm-hmm. i'm like wait a second the actual trained justice society of america basically greatest heroes of all time couldn't take these people and an untrained teenager goes out and starts beating people up I, I just wasn't buying it. And so now they've, they've bridged that gap finally. And there have been, you see some actual consequences to what's going on for Courtney in the more recent episodes. And I'll be curious to see where they go with that going forward. But I've been, I, I, like I said, I've just had these issues uh, in terms of what they've presented and how. And those were the main ones. Okay. Um and and I think you got, you got some good points. And the there there's some things that get me too. The first being that the, the big climactic fight takes place at the JSA's quote unquote secret headquarters, and yet all the artifacts of the JSA are conveniently stored there later on. So, mm-hmm. you know, so there's that. Mm. Um, it kind of looked know, like so, the House of Mystery. It was weird. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And and I also agree that um, yeah, it's kind of weird that their arch enemies suddenly wipe them all out in one night in one big battle. And I would actually, I mean, the, the story editor in me really wants to see something happen that explains why that happened. Yeah, you know that there that there must be a story there as to why it happened then and there in that way at that time, and how it got all of them. Because it doesn't really make sense otherwise. Yeah, so, yeah I agreed yeah. with Drew because that's what I thought it must be. There's some kind of betrayal. There's some kind of thing that we're going to get a big reveal on that caused that to happen. I, I thought the same thing. Well, one one thing, and this is a little spoilery, but in the last episode before tonight, um, the episode Shiv, part one, we mm-hmm. see a character come back who recognizes Stripesy, and he says... Stripes, he calls Pat Stripes, yes. and there's not a lot of affection there. If you're if you're looking, he's he looks a little bit upset and a little bit angry, maybe. And so there may be some, you know, some things going on beneath the surface, or 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 um, assumptions made, or what have you. So there may be all that going on. I took that to mean that this particular character to whom you're referring, because he was clearly confused. And uh, did not seem to, I mean, he wasn't undercover or anything. He just wasn't connecting with who he was. 
And mm -hmm. I was kind of confused about that, too, because I'm like, okay, well, you evidently wake up from this Titanic battle, and the first thing you do is go to apply for a job as a, uh, you know, manual laborer, you know. So I, I don't know, but, um, you know, but I, I took that as more confusion than, than, I mean, and clearly there was some recognition there because he called him by name, but I still took it as, you know, sort of dawning realization more than, oh, I have some animosity to you for some reason, but I don't know. I mean, who knows? And then that character was like noticeably absent from the next episode too, which is like, yeah. wait, you know, and it's like, and I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. It was like, <laughs> where the there heck did this guy go? You know, but <laughs> you know, but, it, but you know, it, it is a very entertaining show and I'm, uh, I'm trying to balance out, uh, you know, how I feel about this because here to, well, uh, up to this point, uh, they've, the CW has been very good about some of the stuff that they've shown. I mean, although, you know, Arrow and The Flash, um, you know, I mean, they, they were what they were. I mean, even um, Legends of Tomorrow, I mean, where they had a little bit more diversity, you know, a few more women in prominent roles. And then you got uh, Black Lightning and Batwoman which, you know, was a breath of fresh air amidst some of the other characters that you have. And now mm -hmm. Stargirl, you know. So I like the direction in which the CW and DC Universe are, are taking some of their characters. And, uh, you know, because it, the, the audience is a lot more diverse for these characters. And that's, I mean, let's face it, particularly you look at the Justice Society of America, this was a problem back in the four. I mean, although nobody perceived it as a problem, I mean, I think you have to at least partially look through the prism of the time as you're examining any of this stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the reason that all these characters were overwhelmingly white and male is because of the prevailing, uh, what do I want to call it? The, uh, the mores of the time, you know, the prevailing wills of the time you know i mean that was just what you did everybody i mean you know and you, occasionally you'd have you know some white woman as a superheroine a lot of the time she'd be wearing an evening gown or something you know but it's like hey still you know <laughs> this is what we got and and that's where and that's where i felt like you know when the watchman came about you know you got that you got the sense of their issues at that particular time you know being since it was a generational thing you know you saw like what again you saw a whole bunch of men running around you know trying to save justice it's like okay that's fine but you know then then we finally get you know the silk scepter and it's like oh okay we get a woman in but sadly she gets abused and things of that nature and so but with the dsa i felt like you know they they were they had a good historical sense of, of who they are and what they were trying to represent at the, you know, based off the show that we're seeing, you know, I felt like, you know, it was a good representation of the heroic times of the comic era back in the forties and things of that nature. As of now, you know, you, the way you said it, you, you felt like they were like a bit throwaways to me. I felt like, you know, they just to, to spark, you know the reasoning of building, of bringing in Star Girl, and what she had to, what she has to do to, I wouldn't say avenge because she really isn't avenging. It's more like just 
you know, I, I, I think her purpose is going to be a, a good builder. And I think that's that that's what's make me curious about what this show's, you know, me, making me watch the show is just like I'm curious of what are they going to do with her? Because with some of the Arrowverse characters that you mentioned, they kind of like like I, I said before in a prior show, Batwoman, when you brought her back from the crisis thing, it was kind of like she was left in limbo with our storyline it just didn't make any sense anymore and it's say and supergirl is the same thing she's like all right gotta deal with lex again and things of that nature so i think with this it is a refreshing thing it's it's something interesting and mind you i, I treat it like it, it's, it's a teen show because you got you're dealing with teenagers and you know dealing with teenager issues and, and, and things of that nature i i feel like that is a good, mind you, and that's the other thing. It's Star Girl. She's and that's with perfect. I feel with Supergirl, she's already a woman. I mean, it's like the the, the girl part is not even there, and that's why I felt like was missing with uh, with Supergirl, uh, especially this past season. With Star Girl, you're getting this essence of who she is. She's a girl. She's dealing with girl issues, and and she's acting like I feel like that over anxiousness of of. Well, how teenagers are just like, hey, we gotta go, go out there and get things, things, and you know, handle this business, and not understanding their sense of, hey, you gotta calm down, you gotta build, you gotta work, and all that stuff. I think the writing, I think now with the last few episodes, I'm kind of finally honing in on that issue of, hey, you gotta work on yourself for first before you start going out and beaming the ISA all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And like I said, there have been real consequences for her in some of the more recent episodes, uh, you know, particularly and not just for her. I mean, for the new Wildcat and the new Dr. Midnight and the new Hour Man and, you know, that that episode with the uh, Sportsmaster and um, and uh, what's I forget the a tigress. Yeah, Sportsmaster and Tigress. I mean, that's like, yeah, that went about the way that I would expect a fight like that to go. <laughs> and this new Justice Society has kind of been taking it on the chin ever since, you know, because they don't know. I mean, they're, they're a bunch of kids. And, mm. you know, they, they, and again, that is something that had not really been coming through up until uh, just recently. But you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, and Brian Lyles. And we are talking about the CW and DC Universe show Stargirl. Uh, which is just about halfway through its run. It's only going to be 13 episodes for this first season. And um, we had just been talking about how it's really built and grown and improved uh, as the show has uh, gone on. Would somebody like to add to that? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that, you know, we raised a point, or you raised a point, I think, Julie, in the previous new segment, saying that, you know, Stargirl's been extremely successful in taking down these villains and, and so on. And I, my interpretation of that is that she's had a lot of beginner's luck. We're seeing that luck running out as she's partnered with these new kids, and we see they don't know what they're doing. And I think that that gives them a, a lot of room to grow, and I think that there's a, a great character arc for them as individuals and as a team going forward. So I think that's 
that's really where we're seeing a lot of growth in this show right now. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think that the, her first couple of battles, it's not that she was doing so well. It's that she had that confidence of a teenage girl, which we should all have. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she got some lucky shots in because they were underestimating her. Um, as Drew said, as the show has progressed... They're not underestimating her anymore as she gets more confident and presents more as a hero rather as somebody on a joyride with a magic staff. Um, they're taking her more seriously and, and the battles become more in depth. And as she builds relationships with the other junior members of the JSA, um, they, they are all starting to grow and develop as characters. They're experiencing some losses and some defeats. And also, you know, some of the dynamics that happen in high school where, you know, you don't necessarily want to hang out with the nerd and all of those things are, are kind of happening uh, um, that that allows the show to grow. Um, one thing that Drew had mentioned to me when we watched the first three episodes was um, something that I really thought was cool, which is that what Jeff Johns um, is doing here is introducing almost a runaways vibe where you're seeing all these, uh, you're seeing the, you're the, there's no hero parents. You're just seeing villain parents and how they interact and how they manipulate their children's lives and the lives of other children, which I thought was a great observation. Yeah, that's a very interesting dynamic. And uh, you've actually, hit on something that uh, I've been kind of fascinated with with this show because, you know, I and, and, and it's, it, I don't know, I mean, some of the Justice Society's villains uh, I, I have been impressed with people like The Shade and mm-hmm. Icicle and even Sportsmaster. It's like, really? You're, you're a super villain? <laughs> he hit him with a shuttlecock. I don't know. But you know what? Sportsmaster was cool, though. I never thought he could be a cool character, but he was actually really effective in this in that fight scene. Yeah. So I thought, you know something? He they they made him cool. So there, I, that's just for me though. Well, no, no I, it I, was I, fun to watch. I agree. Now the one that I find terrifying is the guy in the hood. I can't. I don't know what his name is. Oh, uh, but Dragon King. King. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Doctor Ido. Thank you, because he showed up. And uh, even even uh, Icicle seemed like he was kind of apprehensive around him. And then dude was like, may I have his body? You know, because there was <laughs> whoever that wizard or somebody is. Like, mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then his eyes were closing <laughs> sideways and stuff. But that guy is terrifying. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. And, the, and the other thing and the other thing with the ISA is, is like they're killing their own. I mean, they, it's it's kind of weird, weird. Like the first couple, I think the first, second or third episode, uh, they they start killing off their own people, and because they wanted just to get out and have normal lives, and someone else like, no, you can't. And you kill off one of your own, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. So, I mean, there's a lot of, like you said, growth and possibilities with this show that that I think that. I wasn't expecting, and that's why I think this is kind of interesting to, to see this show and see where it goes uh, by the end of season and going to, into season two. Mm-hmm. Well, well, who do you, you know, who the, do you the, think? Oh, I'll, I'll get to say? really quickly. The, the one one thing that, that struck me. I, I just want to get to this in really quick. 
I thought it was really interesting that, yeah, they are killing each other off. They are preying on each other. And I think it's because they've lost any external challenge. The JSA is no longer out there. They don't have to worry about being rolled up by a bunch of heroes. And so they've got a little complacent and a little bit willing to indulge their natural apex predator instincts against each other. Mm-hmm. And so you, so you see them fighting and, and struggling a little bit for dominance because, frankly, they're bored. They haven't had a challenge in a long time, and they get on each other's nerves. Well, so, the, other, the other side of that is, though, you don't really know what it is they're doing. I mean, there's this whole, what, America first or whatever in the hell this thing is. And, uh, and they see, they remind me, quite frankly, of villains from the first season of the Super Friends cartoon, because that was, that was when, you know, the, the PTA was still involved and they had taken all the violence out of Saturday mornings. And so all the bad guys, well, with the exception of one, this character Raven, but that was a whole other thing. But, but all of them to a, to an individual, it was like they were trying to help humanity and it was just some misguided stuff, you know? And I wanted to see Superman and Batman punch somebody. I was like, no, this is ridiculous. But but with you know, this one, the villains are the PTA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and when they <laughs> fire you, yeah, when you they fire you, you get deaded. So it's <laughs> it's not tame by any stretch. It's, and you know. and and you, I think with the whole element of. Yeah, it's teachers, you know, students versus the teachers. I mean, it, they, I felt like, or, you know, the kids versus the adults. And, uh, you know, I, I think that dynamic in the storyline is kind of interesting, too, to see how it kind of reflects in, in modern day society now, because it feels like, look, the adults have run rampant and, and pretty much, exi- like you said, they got complacent. They felt like everything is fine. They really, but they don't understand the realism of like, there's some new changes that need to be made here. We can't keep things the way they are. So, but killing off your own, is, it, it was kind of surprising to, to, for me to see that. And the other thing that was surprising was finally, 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 they brought in Solomon Grundy. I feel like that character is so underrated and you know, to see him finally, or somewhat finally seen because we has he hasn't really fully been seen yet, but it's good to see that that they're actually using him for something. Well, that's what I enjoyed about the opening pilot, where Yuli, you didn't enjoy it. I actually enjoyed the roll call, and I enjoyed the roll call because I recognized that they were throwing nostalgia at us, mm-hmm. you know, and they were saying just in case you forgot, here's this person. You know, that you really, you know, that you really love from the JSA and here they are in action and oops, it's all over. So how do you feel now? (laughs) And, you know, and watching Grundy chase down a car, I felt the same way. I screamed out Grundy because (laughs) it was so nice to see him. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so nice that, I mean, the let, let's face it, the CG, you know, hopefully they'll right. take more time with it um, when he gets out of that cage. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, I, I think it was a thrill. And I kind of like that kind of fan appreciation. If I know that you're, like, I felt like it wasn't accidental. It wasn't bad writing. It was a nod to us to say, because I was yelling them out when I first saw it. I was yelling out all the names just like he was, you know? You know, the only thing with that, and I I, I hear you, I feel you, I agree with you, but he, here's my thing. Okay. Don't touch so, me. 
(laughs) (laughs) Any sense of nostalgia that I had was being overwhelmed by the fact that these people were getting killed every time. Mm -hmm. You know, Pat Dukin called out a name. It was because somebody else was dead. It's like, wow. I mean, you know, I I just had some trouble with that. Well, I mean, you got to... I mean, for for a show like this, I think, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense to have the, the JSA still here. And, and then you bring in Stargirl for what would be the purpose of Stargirl then? Oh, it'd be I a mean, different I, show for sure. Yeah, it would be definitely a completely different show. So I, I, I feel like you, you got to have, I mean, like you, like you said earlier, it's like the Arrowverse has been, you know, dark and gloomy. I mean, Drew said this. It's been dark and gloomy for, you know, for this past season, how it ended. You needed a new light, quote unquote, and and I, see what I you feel did like there. yeah, and, and I feel like this this you know the way they did it was ill, mind you. It seemed kind of like you know for some, we would feel like okay, you're just name dropping here and there, or you feel like it's like okay for especially if you're bringing in a new audience, you get the sense of like okay, it's cool to know who these characters are because a lot of people don't know who the JSA are. And I, I think now with this, you know, sad to say, killing off the old and bringing in the new, at least you're one, you're building up new, you're going to build up a new team. And I'm hoping they're going to bring in, you know, some of the other characters of JSA that you're f- more familiar, like, you know, Alan Scott's Green Lantern, or hopefully maybe Jade. Um, and and probably up Dr. Fate, because again, Dr. Fate's been in on a couple of shows as you know, he was on Smallville. He was on, you know, I think another show. If I remember, I can't remember at the time. But you know, at least you're trying to. There's a possibility of bringing newer people in, and and mind you, they may be younger. They may look like you know, be teenagers. But at least there, you have to start wiping out something old to bring in something new. Yeah. Well, and they well, alluded think- to some of that. The interesting thing to me is that we didn't see Flash or Dr. Fate get killed. Right. Um, I, I, assume, I, I assume they're dead, and I, I think we saw their artifacts in the JSA, but Courtney didn't take them. So were they there? Were they not there? I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the episode to be sure, but they might they might not even have been there in the hall. So, you yeah, know. They had pictures of uh, the Flash yeah, I saw and she had Green Lantern's lantern, you know, in there. Yeah. Which was kind of fascinating. But they, they have alluded to the fact that they're going to be bringing more characters in. I mean, the the, um, the Thunderbolt is in that pink pen that's sitting yeah. in the uh, the the, uh, the little uh, can in Courtney's room, you know. And uh, the, the, the brother, who they gave some character development to in the last couple of shows, um, he mentioned his friend Jakeem. You know who has yeah. to be the person who ends up with this. So, so they've given a nod to some of this for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 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 excited, and it, obviously we're going to have to talk more about this because, hey, you know, regrettably we're we're out we're well out of time for this episode. But uh, I'd like to thank my panelists and you too for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show, and depending on where you are, you can even see it tonight because it happens to come on on. Uh, Saturdays and Sundays at 8 p.m. on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Fios Channel 38. Uh, Otherwise, check your local listings. And you can also go to the Fantastic Forum 
website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got complete episodes of the television series and the radio show. We've got segments of the television series broken out to your convenience. And there's all this wonderful content that you had no idea that you needed. And if you can't get enough, you can also check out the Fantastic Forum radio show as a podcast. We're hosted by the Great Geek Refuge. Visit greatgeekrefuge.com and uh, you can find all of that. And you can download it and take it with you. And uh, that's a wonderful thing, too. Anyway, the show also re-airs each and every Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. in case you miss any portion of it here. So, again, thanks so much for tuning in. And please come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station.